gentlemen, boys, and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Well, 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 as promised, I am delivering the pod episodes in back-to-back weeks. This hasn't happened in a while. Thank you for your patience as I gather myself and gather my life. Things are a little crazy right now. A lot of great possibilities on the horizon that just require a lot of attention. My dad told me that this was going to happen. Like, you know, I was putting all these irons into the fire and I was waiting for things to get hot. My father was like, you know, they all going like, you know, pipe up at the same time. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. He was like, yeah, I've lived twice your lifetime and I actually do know way more than you. So you might want to listen to me. And of course, I'm like, you don't know. You don't know my life. And then like everything he said comes to fruition. Shout out to my dad. I guess my cousin Jennifer showed him how to subscribe to my podcast. But my father listens like immediately. But yeah, like there's there's so much going on. I still have not heard back from the opportunity in New York. So please continue to pray. I am very diligently. I sent them like a, a little push note earlier this week. And I was like, hey, you know, if you need anything from me, any more clips or any follow-up information, I'm happy to provide. Please let me know if there's anything you need. And they were like, nope, we're good. We'll be in touch. Um, I don't know what that means. One of my friends asked me the other day and was like, you've put it out there that you really want this job. And like, what if you don't get it? And I was like, um, yeah, actually, I think it's pretty relatable to most people to want a job and not get it. I don't really consider that like a fall on my face. Of all the public stumbles I've endured over the years, I think maybe this one doesn't really rank that high if it doesn't happen. But continue to pray and hope that it does because I really, 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 really want the job. What else is going on? I had some great meetings when I was in New York. I took a day and went to visit many publishing houses, met with a bunch of editors about the direction for Life is not a dress rehearsal, which universally everyone was like, yeah, so keep thinking of titles. <laughs> they want something more punchy. It was really interesting. People really like the story. People really like the voice. And just for clarification, people seem to be under the impression that I'm going to write some sort of tell-all memoir about my grand opening, grand closing marriage. No, absolutely not. You people fucking crazy. I'm sure people want to know just to, you know, be nosy. But would you respect me if I told you? Yeah. It was not a great marriage, but it was a marriage nonetheless. It wasn't all bad, in fairness. Towards the end, it was. But no. No, no, no. Those details are sacred is not the right word. Like, I've seen people drag their spouses And the only thing I really think is, but you married him. And then also, I really just don't want people to think of me as just like a fuck chick. If you knew some of the stuff that happened that I put up with, you'd just be like, really, D? Your self-esteem was that fucking low? Like, you were out here telling people not to waste their pretty while you was putting up with that? Yeah, I did. Because I ain't want nobody else to go through that shit. Sometimes my advice really is, Because I done fucked up and I don't want other people to make the same mistakes. One of the reasons that I'm very transparent about many, not all, of the ups and downs in my life 
is because I feel like if I can steer somebody else around the worst of my decisions, that maybe the dumb things that I did or the dumb things that happened to me won't be in vain. I was having this conversation with a friend the other day. She was in a poor relationship. It ended in a very dramatic blow-up incident. She kicked the mofo out of her house. You just imagine what could have occurred for a woman to do that. But I asked her, and I was like, what else is going on with you? Because from the outside looking in, your life looks like a long stream of uninterrupted green lights. And then you're telling me this is what you were dealing with? Like, what is going on with you that made you put up with that? And she was like, yo, I'm really fucking lonely. And I've had that conversation with so many dope people over the last couple weeks where they're just like, I'm putting up with dumb shit just so my bed isn't empty. Men and women have said this to me. I get it. I get it. The hard part for me is like when around the time of Bell in Brooklyn came out, like there was just a lot going on in my life. And I was like traveling all the time. And everyone who, who is on stages talks about this. There's an incredible high of being on, of being on stage, of being in front of the camera, of, of doing something that you're really, really passionate about in these bursts, you know, like a burst of performance, a burst of a, a speaker series, right? Like all eyes on you, spotlight on you. And then you leave and you go back to your hotel by yourself. That letdown after a big adrenaline rush is what leads a lot of people to drugs, alcohol, and whoring. A lot of bad decisions are made off of that feeling, which people describe it as a whole bunch of different things, but essentially it's loneliness. But it's, it's a bitch. So that's one of the things that I talk about in the book. Here's a fun fact. So I wrote out like the entire proposal chapter by chapter of what, you know, what I'm going to talk about in the book, like a very detailed outline. All the editors were like, can you give us less redacted? There's literally one chapter about redacted and it's about going back and forth in divorce court. The divorce court, it's, (laughs) I wouldn't wish, again, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Like you're sitting in a courtroom dismantling your life before a bunch of strangers who were just sitting there comparing whether your shit is as fucked up as their shit or worse. For the judge, this is her nine to five. And she said as much. She was like, I don't know you. I don't know your life. I don't know what matters to you. It's best if you can work this out amongst yourselves. But if you cannot, I will be forced to make a decision for you. And I don't know you. She was like, if I have to divide it up, it's probably guaranteed you're not going to be happy. So if you could do it amongst yourselves, that would be helpful for you and for the court. We weren't able to do that. There was so many shenanigans trying to get this divorce. My God. And it's finally final. As of Monday, I am officially a divorced woman, which hit me much differently than I thought it would. My girls and I had discussed, like, you know, going to Vegas and throwing, like, a divorce party, which I was kind of on the fence about. Like, it just felt very, I don't know, wrong. If that's how you choose to celebrate your divorce, then so be it. But it just didn't seem, even before it happened, like something to celebrate. So my lawyer texted me and was like, the papers came through. They've been signed. I've been waiting 
The first time the judge ruled on it was September. I had to go back to court in February. So I've been waiting since February for the divorce papers to be signed. Almost six months. I drank a glass of wine, even though allegedly I stopped drinking again. Cried. And then went for a four-mile walk. Just put on my headphones, put on some Raheem Devon, which I've been listening to nonstop. I think I'm homesick again. But I was like, I cannot keep going back to the East Coast. Like, I live in the West. I must stay amongst the West. So I become one of them. But I put on some Raheem Devon. There's a bike path by my house. And I just went walking. Like, I just walked kind of like Forrest Gump. Like, remember after Jenny left and he just, he just decided, I think I'm going to go run. And he just ran for like months and grew out a beard. Sometimes the occasion just calls for taking a walk. So that's what I did. So I took a four-mile walk on Monday, and then I took a four-mile walk on Tuesday. I took a three-mile walk on Wednesday. And then today I actually had a bunch of ish to do this morning. So I try to walk before 10 o'clock because the sun is like really, really hot afterward. So I didn't make it out by 10. So I ran my errands, and I just went to the gym, and I like climbed the treadmill level 22 for like 30 minutes. So I sweat through everything. Sweat out my roots, too. I had a fresh wash and go. It was so defined. Now it's all frizzy because of the humidity in the gym. It's huge. But yeah, I'm not sad about it. I'm actually quite happy to be untethered. It's a bit, what's the word? Okay, so you know how like a baby bird. No, it's not a baby bird. It's, okay, I'll just describe the feeling. It feels like. I get a second chance at happiness and I have to figure out what that looks like and how to define it. And for so long, I haven't felt like I had options. And now that I feel like I have them again, I am afraid to fuck it up again, definitely, but also the opportunities feel limitless, but also very overwhelming. Here we go. So when I was a kid, I used to read Seventeen magazine. And in the back of the magazine, they would list all of the stores where they found the clothes, shoes, accessories, right? Most of them were either in New York or in LA. So I would travel with my parents. And the first time that I went to New York as a teenager who was interested in doing just more than the stuff that my parents wanted to do or just see Times Square. Me and my mom took a cab to Soho. I had the addresses for all of these stores that I'd found in the back of Seventeen magazine. And my mom and I walked around Soho for hours and I didn't buy anything because I was so overwhelmed with all the possibilities. It was like to see them in the pages of the magazine and then to dream about them and then to actually have them in front of me, it was just almost just, it was just too much. It was just like too many choices, too many options, and I couldn't choose. And so that's kind of what this feels like. I got my life back and I need to be careful and mindful of what I do with it so I never end up in the place that I was again. And I don't just mean married. I mean the place that led me to make a series of poor choices that eventually led to a divorce. I spent a whole lot of time dismantling 
trying to dismantle. There's still still my defaults to go back to them, but trying to dismantle a lot of fucked up choices that I made. The divorce is, I no longer, <laughs> about to cry. The divorce is, I, I'm no longer having to pay the demands of bad decisions. It's a Lauryn Hill quote. If you're not familiar with it. Unplugged album, Free My Mind. She's, she sings, I can't remember the lyric before it, but she says something like, paying the demands of bad decisions. And then she begs God, come free my mind. That's what I've been in for like the last, honestly, six years. But I no longer have to pay the demand of bad decisions. It feels debt paid. Get my life back. not going to cry. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about ratchet shit. Oh God, this was not where I meant to go for this. We're so not doing that today. We're so not doing that. In other news, ASAP Rocky is free. Trump tweeted some insane tweet like, get ASAP home, ASAP. In what alternate reality is the president of the United States tweeting about fucking ASAP Rocky. He's not even an A-list rapper. And I'm trying to figure out what brownie points does Trump think he's scoring with Black America for saving ASAP? No one gave a fuck about ASAP. I can't name you an ASAP song. Fucking Problems? Is that ASAP? If it is, that's actually a really good song. But I can't tell you the name of an ASAP album. I can't tell you anything about ASAP other than he was from Harlem and I think his dad was a drug dealer. He cute as fuck. Like the boy fine. But that's it. I was like, you're not scoring any brownie points. It's not like you freed Randall and Beth. That's some shit that'll get you some points. T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman was, was arrested in Sweden and was locked up and Trump was like, I'm going to free Chadwick Boseman. I'm going to free the Black Panther. You couldn't even say thank you. That's just some, you just grunt and take the shit. I can't think of any black person who could get arrested and Trump would free. And I'd be like, well, let's give Trump a chance. Like my mama could get arrested in Sweden and Trump could free my mama. And I would be thankful that he freed my mama. But I still wouldn't vote for his ass. Speaking of Trump fuck ups, I know in general we talk about very like light subjects as of late, just because there's so much heaviness going on in my life. Like I just need to like keep it fluffy when I do the podcast. But can we talk about ICE for a minute? I was reading something earlier today about kids coming home from school, getting dropped off on the bus, standing in the middle of their neighborhood crying because their parents were locked up in an ICE raid earlier in the day. Nobody thought, do these people have kids? And, And where are they? And what happens to them? So these kids, their parents get locked up. They get home from school and there's no one to greet them. They're walking up to empty houses and they can't get in the door. That's crazy. I mean, in addition to, you know, detaining children and infants and having them sleep on the floor and not wanting to give them soap and toothpaste and toothbrushes and deodorant and basic care. You wouldn't treat dogs the way they're treating these children and these immigrant humans, humans. Wherever they're from, humans, you wouldn't treat dogs that way. But they locked up 600 people. What they doing to our brown brown cousins ain't right. It ain't right. 
look, black folks got a lot of issues and for very good reason. We tend to be very consumed with what happens to us and we have tunnel vision about what happens to them, quote and unquote. But I feel like this is one of those times where you stay silent about what happens to everybody else and then there's nobody left to speak when something starts happening to you. I know I'm butchering a very popular quote by saying that. This isn't an issue that black folks should sit out. No one's sitting around talking about the illegals taking jobs and raping and criminals, blah, blah, blah. None of those folks like black folks either. It's not like, oh, I don't fuck with the Mexicans, but black people are okay. That line of thought never happens. The folks who don't like the Mexicans don't like us either. FYI. They also don't like women. It's real. Their people are pretty consistent. People who are ignorant enough to separate children from their parents and have children sleeping on fucking floors, they have no humanity. They might find it for themselves or people that look exactly like them. They're not going to find it for your black ass. They're not going to find it for anybody's vagina. We should also be concerned about the immigration issues as they affect brown folk. We should also be concerned about why these immigration issues ain't affecting no white folk. You can't throw a pigeon in, in, in New York City without hearing a whole bunch of European accents. But somehow you never see them getting locked up in these ice raids. Lori and Diddy are a thing. They were pictured together in Italy. I feel like everyone and their mother is in Italy right now. But they were pictured together in Italy having a meal, a daytime meal, with Lori Harvey's parents, Marjorie and Steve. I'll tell you a story. My father prefers college basketball over pro ball. One of the reasons why is because D1 college athletes have exceptional training. They have the skills. They're still managing how to execute. And not just their on-court skills, how to keep their mind focused and in the game, how to remain disciplined, not just athletically, but in a 360 so that they can be at their top performance. That in and of itself is a skill. Ideally, by the time you make it to the pros, you've mastered that. College level, you have the skills, but do you have the focus and the discipline to execute them when need be? If you think about a kid who learned how to walk not so long ago, after time, they can put one foot in front of the other. They can stay mainly upright. But every once in a while, they'll just wobble for like no reason and fall. It's like they just forgot for a second, right? They don't have the focus yet. They're not used to it. It's college sports. Why am I telling you this? Because that's what it's like watching Lori Harvey. Your mom taught you all the skills. She's landed some pretty big fish already at 22. Trey Songs? Has Trey Songs ever claimed anyone? Yet before he and Lori fell apart, he posted a picture of her foot on his face. I think he's rubbing it. On his Instagram talking about I like us has he ever done that I can't think of anyone Trey Songz has claimed in all the time he's been famous that didn't work out neither here nor there and now she's with Diddy Diddy's net worth is 850 mil I think somewhere around there that's a big fish so watching Lori Harvey work is like watching a college athlete we know you have the skills but you're 22 how are you going to execute 
what messiness will you do? Because you're 22. Comes along with the age. Lori Harvey is my favorite soap opera. It's fun. It's a fun, good time. And she's 22, so there's nothing really invested here. I predict Diddy's going to try to marry her. And this is based off absolutely nothing but a couple photos from when they were having lunch. He just looked comfortable. He looked ready. Although currently divorced, I still have kept my married trait, which most married people have, is when you can look at other people and see when their light is on. I don't know if all divorced people keep it. I may eventually lose it. Shit. It's good while it lasted. Next topic. I went to see Hobbs and Shaw. You know I've been talking about seeing this movie for like ever and a day. So back when Hobbs and Shaw was announced, Tyrese was really upset that The Rock was doing a spinoff of the Fast and Furious franchise. Most likely that it didn't include him was the issue. And that this movie was being prioritized over another Fast and Furious film, which Tyrese would have been in. So he kept taking these jabs at The Rock. Because of this, I actually start following The Rock on Instagram to see if or when he will respond to Tyrese. He did at some point, but it was the classiest of shade that I don't even remember. I just remember thinking, like, I think I really like The Rock. So every time Tyrese would go off about Hobbs and Shaw, I would post a picture of The Rock and then I'd be like, I'm getting two tickets. I think I got up to like eight tickets. I started anticipating this film and I was like, whenever it comes out, I'm going to see it opening night just to support The Rock, just because Tyrese has been such an ass about this film. That shit was like porn. I didn't even know when I started supporting this film that Idris Elba was the villain. Idris Elba, he's like in all black like the omen. He has gold fronts. Somehow, all this time of obsessing over Idris Elba from back in Stringer Bell days, right? I did not realize he had a left cheek dimple. I mean, he's always been like a finely formed man, but he'd been in a gym and he's wearing this like this latex, leathery looking, just... It just looked touchable. The camera kept doing this pan from like his feet all the way up. And it was just like lingering over his form. (sighs) Can you tell I used to edit romance novels? Somebody on my Facebook page was talking about the way I describe men. I was like, yeah, I worked for Harlequin for a while. Like I edited like the really filthy, nasty line. And sometimes in my descriptions, it just leaps out. I just really appreciate the male form. Oh, do you know there are rumors that I'm gay? I was like, really? If I was gay, I'd just be gay. I'm not like a full zero on the Kinsey scale. Like I'm somewhere around a 1.5 to be like completely transparent. I enjoy looking at Amber Rose, Rihanna, and Tiana Taylor. I think way more than the average heterosexual. But I don't want to, like, touch them or anything. I just kind of, like, want to gaze at them. Which one of my gay friends was like, so what you're saying is you're straight. Whatever. Anyway. The Rock, he's brown glory. Ugh. After I saw the movie, I wrote this amazing, glowing review on my Instagram. And people were like, I'm sold. I'm going to see this film. And a couple people were like, sis, 
this movie was not good. And I was like, lies you tell. This movie was fabulous. It was wonderful. The Rock took his shirt off and he had on, I want to call it loincloth, but it was not loincloth at all. Was it mid-thigh at least? It might have been to the knee. There was nothing, it was nothing salacious about it. But he was just so bronzy and so broad and so well-chiseled and formed. It was, it was very enjoyable. I liked it. I liked it very much, very much a lot. I did. He goes to Samoa in the film and he's got like all this Samoan family and he's like little amongst all these big Samoan men. You know, like The Rock is a big, brawny, like bountiful man. But among the Samoans, he was like a small man because they were so big. Big, fluffy, lush hair, big, wide bodies, dark eyes. I was like, why have I never been to Samoa? I'm going to Ghana next, which is a whole nother experience. Ghanaian men, those cheekbones, those James Evans noses. Y'all saw what I was running into when I was out there last year. Like, and we're going to the middle of the Chale Wote Festival this year. So I'm like, what will I see? I'm taking all my cameras this time. What else? Oh, I'm sorry. I just got distracted. I really can't remember. Oh, Chale Wote Festival. It's like Art Basel in Africa. It's Africa's largest art festival. That's not the point. The point is, I've got this trip to Accra. And at some point before the end of the year, I need to schedule a trip to Samoa. Because big ass brawny men with long flowing hair works for me. Did anybody watch the Black Lady Sketch Show on HBO? It's a new sketch comedy series. Executive produced by Issa. It's the brainchild of Robin Thede. She's a comedian. She used to host that BET talk show. I didn't watch it, though. I heard it was actually really good. It only lasted like about a season, though. But I went to a brunch for the new show when I was at ABFF, American Black Film Festival. It was a conversation with Robin Thede and Bevy. Bevy's one of my mentors. She's the best. I didn't get to see clips from the show at the brunch. I got there a little late. I was with my baby Gia, Gia Peppers. I'm so proud of her. I love her to pieces. I love what Robin had to say about like her inspirations for this show. And I just love like her mindset. I love, I like her. I like her vibe. So I was really looking forward to the show and I watched it and I did not comment on it on social media. At least not on Instagram. I talked about it on Facebook on a private page. A couple weeks ago, I went to LACMA. It's the big art museum here in L.A. I saw a visual album that Solange did for her latest, her latest music. I was honest that I, I didn't care for it. I was with someone who was from Texas, not Houston. And she was like, I love it. Oh, my God. This is everything I love about Texas. It's amazing. Like, she was really over the moon about it. And I mentioned that in the review. And I didn't drag Solange. I just said it wasn't my thing. It wasn't my vibe. I think I said I liked Solange. She looked really beautiful in the video. Something along that line. But kept it tasteful in that sense. And a couple of people got at me for that. As black women, we shouldn't negatively critique other black women's work. We need to support our sisters. You really shouldn't you know, speak negatively about 
Black women's work? What if someone speaks negatively about, you know, your your TV or film projects? Yeah, that's probably going to happen. That's what happens when you create art and put it out there. Like it's subject to critique. It's literally the nature of producing art. I think there's a way to constructively critique or to give constructive criticism to discuss the art without making personal attacks on the artiste, which I think a lot of people have difficulty doing. I'm very mindful of not doing that. Critique what I produce all you want. When you start critiquing me, which again, that horrible chick who was like, you're a wasted potential. Fuck you. You can see that really bothered me. This is the third time I've mentioned it. I just think it's a horrible fucking thing to say to somebody. Like, you don't talk to people like that. And people are like, oh, you don't take criticism well. No, I'm not used to being talked to like shit. Like, maybe you are. I'm not. People do it. But God forbid if I ever get comfortable with it. So I say all that to say, I watched a Black Lady Sketch Show. And I had very high hopes for it. I like all of the women who appear in it. I think they are very talented. I think they are funny. I follow most of them on Instagram already. I ain't laugh once. Like, I was prepared to laugh. Like, I sat down on the pink couch. Like, I had my phone down, not off, because I never turned it off. Like, I was like, oh, okay, I'm about to have, like, a good, like, Martin good time. I was ready to be like, oh, these folks is stupid. I ain't giggle. Like, I was like, hmm? And, like, I got the jokes. Like, I got where they came from. I got why it was supposed to be funny. It just, it just didn't connect for me. Like, the idea of, like, the black woman being a spy because people treat black women, especially plusher-sized black women, treat them like they're invisible. I was ready to be like, oh, this is going to be hysterical. And I was like, but, but it's not hysterical. Or, like, the alien who literally stole dance moves. Like, people be like, oh, you stole my moves. But, like, to literally have your dance moves stolen, I get it. I get the premise. Why the premise was funny. Execution just wasn't funny. Even, like, the bad bitch support group with, like, Angela Bassett. I was like, oh, it's Angela Bassett. Like, I just, I got it. That was amusing. But, again, not even a chuckle. And maybe it landed for other people. I I want the show to win. I want it to have time to find its footing and find its audience. Because Saturday Night Live has been on for what, like 25, 30 years? And I rarely laugh at any of those sketches either. And I like improv. Like the Chappelle show and In Living Color are funny as fuck to me. Martin, whole lot of improv is funny as fuck to me. If I see Martin on TV, I will stop and watch it. Even though most of those jokes you probably couldn't even make in 2019. But funny as fuck. Black Lady Sketch Show? Not so much. But I want to give it a chance. And I'll definitely be tuning in. I can't necessarily say on the night that it airs. It's not priority TV to me. But I will watch it just to make sure they get their numbers. And and root for the black girls. Because I want black girls to win. But it just wasn't funny. Last and certainly not least, rest in peace to Toni Morrison. She passed away this week and she was 88. She lived 
a long and full and complete life. And very often when someone of advanced age passes, I'm able to acknowledge their passing and celebrate their life and really think about, well, you know, they lived a good long life. Like I don't feel, and maybe it's just me, I don't feel that the same morning of the passing of someone in their 80s or 90s that I do for someone in their 40s or 50s. I think for obvious reason, you know? I never met Toni Morrison. I read most of her books. But I really felt like when I read that she passed, like I woke up and it was the first thing I saw when I went online. And it really hurt me like a relative had passed. I couldn't, I didn't even have words. Like I had to go sit down. Like I, I went and cried. And then I had something to say about the impact of her work on my life. I have a post-it of a, of a Toni Morrison quote on the wall above my desk. And the quote is, you want to fly? You got to give up the thing that weighs you down. I've seen so many variations of that. Um, one of them, when I was thinking about leaving New York, I kept seeing some version of it like over and over and over again. You can't fly with what weighs you down or in order to get, you have to give up. In order to get something you never had, you have to do something you've never done. But I felt like when I was, you know, going through the worst part of my marriage, I felt like that's what the universe was starting to do. And I was trying to ignore it because I didn't want to get divorced. I had to. It was literally to save my own life. I was in a very bad place, which we've discussed before. We don't need to rediscuss that. Some version of that quote, you want to fly, you've got to give up the thing that weighs you down. And I just always think about that, like, how if you want to do better, there's certain habits that you're going to have to let go of. And very often we talk about like the obvious things, like, you know, your drinking habit, your weed habit, your hoeing habit. I think it makes sense to most people that you can't be high all the time and you can't be drunk all the time and you can't eat all the fat and all the sugar and all the carbs and expect to be healthy. I think a lot of people get that. But when your crutches are people, it's a lot more of a challenge. In my case, one of the things that was holding me back from being my best self was my spouse. That was a hard, hard truth. And fighting it and not trying to face it cost me a lot mentally, emotionally, psychologically, financially. Almost cost me my life. That was difficult. But for other people, it might be your mama. It might be your best friend since elementary school. It might be your sister. It might be your dad might be your kid. I'm thinking more along the lines of like folks whose kids are committed to not growing up, not being mature, not acting like fully functioning adults who are not trying to clean up their lives and be productive citizens or even productive members of the family. I'm not saying cash the kids out. I'm saying sometimes you got to put some distance between people, between you and people who are fucking up your life. Adults, just for clarity. 
not going to suggest you put your minor child out in the street. Not what I'm saying. The same sometimes. If you want to fly, you've got to give up the things. I added the S that weigh you down. I think most of us have more than one thing. I gave up liquor for a really long time. And then I gave up wine after that. I didn't drink for almost three years. And I think I'm going to quit again. I'm just in this place where I just feel like I need exceptional clarity. My life is better than it once was. I, I thank God that I'm not where I was. But I'm still not where I want to be. And I want to focus completely on getting there. But rest in peace to Toni Morrison. One of the greatest authors. She's my favorite author's favorite author. And I think more than just being a great writer, she was a great thinker. And I thank her for sharing her gifts with us. Leaving behind an amazing body of work for us to engage with and remember her greatness. I thank her for that. I'm thankful for that. May she rest in peace. So. That is our episode for this week. No sponsors this week. I took the week off just to speak freely without having to worry if I'm offending someone's censors. As always, thanks for listening. If you need some ratchet and respectable in your life. Oh, one more thing. I'm sorry. Can we talk about Layla Rashawn? Right before I sat down to tape, an article started circulating. She went to a red carpet for an own TV project and she looked fucking amazing. I didn't realize she was 55. Ma'am went and found a good outfit and she put on her good hair and it's not straight. So before anyone is like, oh, you called the hair good, blah, blah, blah. She got some fresh bundles. That's what I'm trying to say. But she looked amazing. She had her face beat. She had her long eyelashes on. And I also want to point out that the woman is not big. She don't look the size she was when she was 22. Most people don't. But she looked wonderful and lovely. She is a finely shaped woman. Her face is cute as I don't know what. And some people were like, you're calling her cute, but you're not calling her beautiful. She's cute. She's beautiful. She's fine. She looked good. That's what I'm trying to say. And I'm glad that she's not sitting at home hiding like she did some wrong shit. Her husband did some terrible shit and Nicole Murphy did some terrible shit with him. But that ain't got nothing to do with her. She didn't do the terrible shit. She should come out. She should show her face and she should twirl. She had a ring on, which is what all the articles were about. They weren't like, God damn, look how good Layla Rashawn looks. Layla Rashawn Fuqua. They weren't about that. They were like, oh, she has a ring on. Look, she's still wearing a ring. That woman been married to that man for five months of Sundays. Look, if she stay, if she go, that's all on her. That ain't none of my business. That ain't a decision for me to make. It's a hard choice as a woman either way. You leave. They say you ain't loyal. They say what took you so long. They blame you for all the stuff you put up with, for trying to honor your vows and stay with a man who's fucking up. You must have liked it. You were complicit. Jesus Christ. Folks don't want to leave because divorce is fucking hard and terrible. I did a lot trying to avoid going through a divorce. They got blamed for leaving anyway. No blame for him. Whatever it was, it must have been my fault. Yikes. You stay. People say you ain't got no self-esteem. Say you should have left. 
say you must like being treated bad. It's a no-win situation. He cheats. We talked about this last week. He cheats. National conversation about what his wife must have done wrong to make him cheat. We live in a topsy-turvy world. She stays with her husband. That's her choice. She leaves her husband. That's her choice. Ain't my man. Ain't my marriage. Do what works best for you. Now we're done. If you need some ratchet and respectable in your life midweek, I would encourage you to follow me on social media. I barely tweet, so you can follow me on Facebook at at Demetria L. Lucas or Instagram, which I frequent the most, at Demetria L. Lucas. Please join the shenanigans. You can leave me a comment on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. I'm actually going to encourage you not to email me because people have been sending me crazy shit and it's taking everything in me not to respond and curse people out. Some of y'all are wild right now. Stop that shit. As always, you can comment under my Instagram post. DM me. That's fine. With them long ass emails with wild shit, stop sending me those. All right. I think that's everything. We'll talk soon. Next week? Who knows? I'm on deadline. And I'm going back to school. We'll talk about that. Bye. I-